Hello and welcome to the Press Gallery, the Edmonton Journal's politics podcast, where Stuart Thompson, regular guest, is already chuckling into his microphone. Because <laughs> I already know the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is called the UCP, ICP, We All CP edition, because we're actually all eight-year-olds here <laughs> at the Edmonton <laughs> Journal. <laughs> I'm your host, Emma Grady, and with me today, Stuart Thompson, hey. a.k.a. Chuckles, <laughs> uh, City columnist, Paula Simons. G'day, Emma. Are you taking the piss with us? <laughs> you know it always. Literally. All day, every day. <laughs> That's how I roll. And Here Ray I am. Thompson. Hello. How's it going? Good. So, um, today we're, shockingly, I know, going to be taking on the huge thing that happened in Alberta politics yesterday, which was the um, actual... Announcement of this agreement between the Progressive Conservatives and Wildrose parties coming together to form a happy, happy, big tent conservative coalition of happiness and unicorns and joy. Not technically in their platform, but I suppose it's in there somewhere called the United Conservative Party, which has eight-year-olds all over the province chuckling and Twitter as well. Alberta can't wait. Alberta can't (laughs) wait to see pee. Because it has to pee. We are children. <laughs> I know. It, it took about 40 seconds after the announcement of the name of the new party before somebody put a meme out that shows, you know, Homer Simpson outside the bathroom with his legs crossed that said, you know, UCP, um, Alberta can't wait. So I... I oh, bless. I, Politics. Yeah. You've got to have fun with it, haven't you? Now, Graham, you were at the uh, press conference yesterday. I was. Where I was lucky enough to go as well, which was, what, 20 minutes late before they came in? Well, they were late, but... Alberta it. can't well, wait. They had nothing else to do. This is... Like well, I'm wondering if they're trying, if trying to figure out the very last minute if it's actually going to go ahead. Right. <clears throat> they I were mean, having a thumb wrestle out the back, Brian well, Jean and Jason Kenny. I've been making calls. I've been doing a lot of work in this last two weeks, and I wrote about it on Tuesday. And at a source on Wednesday saying it's going to happen Thursday or Friday or it's going to fall apart. This was not some sort of, you know, like moving along steadily towards a conclusion. There was all kinds of stuff happening behind the scenes. They, they were not always happy with each other. And I was hearing from both sides, blaming the other side for causing problems. But yes, uh, the thing is, at the end of the day, they realized nobody wanted to be the one to sink it. They knew if, if they were to be the one to say no to it, that, of course, as Kenny's already said publicly, the people who would sink it would be the ones who'd be punished by Albertans. And there was a sense that the conservatives out there would punish those who didn't get the deal done. So they got the deal done, and um, it was interesting watching the two of them up there because they had this um, really, to me, painted on smile no Graham they were, re- they were real smiles that was real <laughs> because joy. these two right now are saying yes we're working together to unite and of course they're gonna have a, a major league civil war after July if both sides agree to this there'll be a civil war between um, uh, Brian Jean and Jason Kenney and maybe some others because Derek Filterbrand is um, sort of hinting he may get into the race as well so uh, this could be a lot of inter- a lot of interesting things happening this summer, obviously. But we can get into the actual details of the um, the agreement, which basically says that there'll be some sort of ratification vote by both sides on July twenty second, which is the day after my wedding anniversary, and it's a Saturday, and I was going to go away for my wedding anniversary. So I'm hoping they do it at like Lake Louise or something, and then <laughs> <laughs> then maybe Post Media will pay for a half year anniversary trip. That's right. Yeah, that's really going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Red Deer, there's nowhere more romantic. <laughs> well, the thing is, there's going to be two votes. The, Sorry, um, Graham. Go on. <laughs> Sorry, Red Deer. <laughs> the, uh, the Wild Rose is going to have a special general meeting 
people can come to. And also they're going to try and do voting also by, they said, um, electronic or telephonic. (laughs) 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 I thought it was hilarious. Um, Like 1930s. Um, (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Morse code as well. Then you're also going to have the PCs will have a referendum of sorts to try and get everybody in the province who's a PC member to vote. And the thing is, if you're a member of both parties, you get to vote twice. <laughs> can you be a member of both parties? Yes, you can. So neither party makes you give up another party's well, membership. Well, in fact, uh, last fall, the PCs at the convention passed a resolution to allow members to have a membership in, in more than one party, which is what triggered <laughs> a lot of the progressives thinking, oh, this is Kenny pushing through the idea you can be a member of both parties. Right. And this was um, that triggered uh, some of the progressives starting to, to leave the party thinking this is kind of taking us over. Um, okay, so you can vote on both both uh, both ratifications. And then if it goes ahead, then the race starts. There'll be this race, be Brian Jean. They were actually asked yesterday, will you be candidates? Yeah. And, and, uh, and Jean said, absolutely. And Kenny said, well, actually, we're not supposed to be, we shouldn't be talking about that now until the ratification is done. Oh, we'll wait till after <laughs> ratification. And then Gene just kind of goes, no, 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 let me stop you right there, yeah. we're both <laughs> Jason. I think uh, if you read Jason Markstoff's piece in McLean's, he really kind of hinges his whole piece on that moment. And I thought that's an incredibly smart thing to do because yeah. that is those two guys sort of, you know, yeah, in right in one interaction there. And... It's fat. Graham and I were talking about this yesterday. Brian Jean is a genuinely likable guy. Like, he just seems like a nice dude. He is not as effective a politician as Jason Kenney. I don't think anyone would claim that if you were to see them, say, in a scrum or in an interview or in a debate. Um, But Jason Kenney comes off as a little robotic. He comes off as the, you know, the kid in grade 10 who's running for school president and knows all the rules and will use that to his advantage. He's Martin. (laughs) Yeah. And that is a really fascinating dynamic. And so we're going to see what people are actually looking for here on that side of the Alberta uh, political spectrum. Are they looking for the guy who you're pretty sure is going to work 16 hours a day for you and know all the rules, but he's not he's not going to be what Rachel Notley was in that debate in 2015 where she's just likable and competent and a breath of fresh air. Jason Kenney is Jason Kenney, and we kind of know what we're going to get with him. Brian Jean has the other side of the spectrum. I recommend you read Jason's piece because he really kind of put that all uh, together for us. Yeah, because no, that's that's the one clip I heard CBC Radio pulled out because it's it's the quintessential moment. I mean, they ask, you know, are you going to run? And Kenny's like, well, you know, it's far too early to win. And Brian's like, oh, yeah, 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 yep, yeah. yep, 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 yep. And it's yep. like this infuriating, <laughs> this is the Harper style, which I don't necessarily blame Harper as much as other journalists because mm-hmm. I think that he was right, especially in Ottawa, journalists weren't going to do him any favors like they were not going to be sympathetic to Stephen Harper he understood that and I think he just took them as something he was forced to deal with and he wasn't going to let that get in his way and he tried to end run them I think to all of our peril you know as a democracy but I, I don't necessarily blame his logic for why he did it Jason Kenney is the exact same he won't tell you something unless there is something in his brain that tells him this is a fortuitous thing for me to tell the media and the public 
Brian Jean isn't necessarily that kind of cold and calculating, and that that's exactly it right there. Yeah, at the end of the press conference, actually, further to that point, and then we'll go back to the mechanics of it, but at the very end, Jason Kenny's kind of like, yeah, so, you know, we can um, blah, 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 we'll, you know, we can go and sign this thing, and Brian Jean's like, now I just want to say before we go, I want to double blah, 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 and then Jason Kenny's it, jumped back in and yeah. said, look, I just want to say, just, just one <laughs> final thought here, thanks everyone for coming and all the hard work. And you could see Brian Jean was about to say something else, except then Jason Kenny has just gone, all right, now, Brian, let's get this thing done and let's go and sign the agreement. And it was like that, that quintessential, you hang up. No, <laughs> you hang up. No, you hang up. But it was like a, a wedding. I called it a, a forced or arranged wedding. But then they go off and sign the, reg- the, the register and they're sitting there <laughs> you know, with the cameras rolling and you can tell there's a lot of tension in the room between <laughs> these two people. It's hilarious watching this, this theater, the political theater of them trying to pretend to be actual friends friends up there when in fact there'll be an actual knife fight in a matter of well a month or, month or two you would hope it's figurative and not anything more than that but the thing is by talking to people behind the scenes on this you know that the, the depth of just the animosity between the, the two camps especially the wild rose um, and when they were actually in negotiations I, I kept hearing from both sides blaming the other um, you had the PC saying the Wild Rose was being heavy-handed. Wild Rose says, no, no, all we're doing is pre- presenting a, a game plan, and the PCs were completely disorganized. And the thing about the PCs, at the very beginning, don't forget, when they announced the five people on that committee, five from the PCs, five from the Wild Rose. One of, the, one of them hadn't said yes. Exactly. <laughs> or it hadn't been cleared. So we actually, so, so Stu put out a, um, a story online about the 10 members of this discussion group. And within, a, like, within minutes. Yeah. It wasn't the PCs that corrected me. It was the Calgary Chamber, Chamber who she worked for, <laughs> who said no. <laughs> That's not allowed. So th- yeah, this, this was Zoe Addington, uh, who worked for the Chamber of Commerce, has a history of the PCs, was on the committee until she was off the committee. Within minutes of it actually being announced, she was on the committee. And that also then we began calling the PCs saying, what's going on? That was a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday morning, they finally responded to an email saying, uh, we'd hoped that she'd be on the committee. She's not on the committee. We'll have somebody else. <laughs> I said, but what happened? We'd hoped she'd be on the committee. She's not on the committee. We'll, hope we'll get somebody else. I said, uh, uh, signed up. So what the heck's going on? This would not respond to it at all. So this, this showed, and the Wild Rose was having gleeful fits of giggles, yeah, basically. They really enjoyed that. Saying, this shows just how disorganized this, this team is. And that's played out, according to the Wild Rose sources, throughout. Yeah. And something, the other dynamic I found with that, because... <clears throat> And this isn't this wasn't me, you know, digging deep for the story. This was me frantically trying to figure out what the hell was going on that night, you know, with a baby in my hands because I'd gone home. It was Friday night, and I was trying to fix my story. And I was finding that this was purely Kenny people. Mm-hmm. So uh, the Wilderos people, who I was I was ta- reaching out to them too because I was just t- seeing if they knew what was up. Uh, so the the two gleeful camps were the Wild Rose people and the non Kenny PCers who were kind of like, "Yep, look at this," <laughs> you know, like it was kind of entertaining for them. Well, so so here's my it question: It is kind of so entertaining for everyone. It was though. yes. So <laughs> both parties are demanding a seventy five percent no endorsement. No. Oh, only the Wild Rose. Wild Rose, because their constitution says, in this kind of case, you must have seventy five percent approval to actually let it go ahead. The PCs had nothing in the Constitution dealing with this. So they decided just to have a 50% plus one. So wow. there'll be two different votes where there's a different threshold 
So you need a super majority for the, the wild rolls and it's a simple majority for the PCs. So, so the, the really fascinating thing, and they can go on selling memberships. That was the other thing that I found quite shocking. So it's not based on the membership roles at the time of the signing. If you can sign up people who either want to support or torpedo this, yep. I mean, presumably there are people within the Wild Rose who hate the progressive Absolutely. conservatives, who hate everything about them. The whole party was started to be the, you know, the anathema and the antithesis of the PCs. Can, yep. can what happens if if Brian Jean can't meet that threshold? I know. I've talked to people who are the, the debating society or debating club. I think as Danielle Smith called them, true believers. I've talked to them in the Wild Rose who do not want to mix or taint themselves with the PCs. They're saying, let's do the Wild Rose can stay as is. The PCs can join us, no problem. We do not want to merge into a brand new party, and they're looking at this uh, vote on July twenty second as a way to torpedo it because. Um, Gene needs 75%. Plus the, one, yeah. Ex, well, yeah, 75%. But the those against him only need 25.1% to defeat it. And so this is going to be an issue. Now, this is one reason why in the negotiations, discussions, it, the, the PCs or the Kennys, the Kenny group thought that the Wild Rose was out to torpedo it and just be difficult mm. because they thought – the Wild Rose doesn't really want it to go ahead. Brian Jean's doing really well in the public, public opinion polls. So they thought he wasn't really going to push this through. But the Jean's people said, in fact, he really does want this to go ahead now because he really is high in the public opinion polls. They feel they can actually defeat Kenny once and for all and make Jean the leader of this brand new party. You've got people in the Wild Rose, again, who do not want this to go ahead. And they're going to try and organize themselves to defeat this by getting 25.1% of the the, the, uh, the members to vote against it. I was at an event in Leduc on, oh gosh, it's all merging together in one day, Wednesday night, I believe I yeah. was out there. Um, and it was a, let's get an update on Unity from Derek Feldebrand and Mike Ellis and, you know, Wild Rose and PCMLA and then PCMLA, uh, Prab Gill rocked up as well. And I was speaking for some, to some folks there. It was hosted by the local Wild Rose Constituency Association. And they were just kind of sitting there with their arms crossed. <laughs> just like, I'm like, hey, so what do you, what do you reckon they're going to gonna talk about here? He's like, don't know. But I don't like it. <laughs> like, all right, cool. <laughs> and this was a few, this was a few different, uh, different blokes that I was talking to. And they were all like, we don't like this. We don't like where it's going. We don't like where it's come from. We don't like it. We don't like it. <laughs> And we're going to try and make it. We're going to try and stop it. And that was just like you know, three or four people in inside a room in in Leduc. So if there is an actual organised movement to torpedo this, then yeah. wow, they actually do really stand a chance. Think, think about if you're a wild roser, and you know, a year a year ago, before Kenny got involved, um, you're you're ten points ahead in the polls. You got a popularity. You have a government doing things that are very unpopular and the polling has reflected that with the carbon tax and bill six and all that kind of stuff they got a lot of seats in calgary that seemed to have been due to vote splitting and then with a even more demoralized and disaffected pc party as a wild rosa you're thinking hey we got three more years we just need to ride this out no big bozo eruptions and we are going to be government and then jason kenny comes along and says no you won't be unless i get involved here I can only imagine how galling that would be, especially if you've worked since 2007 to make this party what it is. And, you know, you talk to some Wild Rosers who are up for the challenge and say, yeah, maybe we need to do this. Let's do it. And we will make government and I'll be part of it. But some of them are thinking, 
you know, we were we were doing fine until he came along. Derek Vildebrand made the point also on Wednesday night. Uh, further to that, he said that um, when he was elected in 2015, he and Mike Ellis sat down and had a beer and went, holy crap, we have to do something here. And he says that Wild Rose, he truly believes in his heart of hearts, he didn't use those exact words, that's what he meant, <laughs> um, that they could win the next election. But... If they don't, and there's a, there's even a remote chance of a second NDP term, then he could never look his daughter in the eyes if he didn't do all he could, which means uniting the Conservatives. Yeah. Sorry, that's, Paul. That's Kenny line. Yeah. What is also intriguing, of course, we've talked about people who are disaffected on the right end of the spectrum. Meanwhile, at the progressive end of the spectrum, there are still a lot of very, very, very angry legacy PCs out there who don't like Jason Kenney and who don't like the Wild Rose any more than the Wild Rose likes them. So, you know, I mean, I know Greg Clark and the Alberta Party had um, uh, their annual meeting in Edmonton last weekend. Didn't get a lot of traction. But those people tell me that, you know, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of, I think, wishful rumbling in the underbrush about some kind of centrist party. You know, the, their vision is that red Tories break and, and head to the Alberta party. And, you know, people are muttering about, you know, Stephen Mandel. I mean, someone yesterday said, you know, what about Nahid Nenshi? I was like, yes, well, well I, don't, I don't think these things are going to happen. But it's fascinating to me because presumably they're going to be a lot of... PC people who don't like this merger any more than than the Wild Rose people do. They're the folks that Kerry Cundall is reaching out to. Now, she's, of course, running for leadership of the Alberta Liberals along with David Kahn, and she has made no secret of the fact that she would like to get those disaffected PCs, um, get those They're folks... They're both uh, former PCs, right? They both are former PCs. <laughs> yes, they are, Stuart. Um, David Kahn was briefly a PC for only about a year during uh, a PC leadership race. And um, Carrie Cundall, though, was recently a PC up until the leadership, actually. She, she tried to be a delegate for the Progressive Conservatives. And uh, I think it's yesterday after the, uh, the but news she's conference. Re- but she's reaching, sorry, she's reaching out to, she has made no secret of the fact that she wants to work with those disaffected progressive, progressive conservatives, as I'm going to call them. Um, and the Alberta Party, too. She has been quite happy to kind of throw them into the mix. Yeah. Well, yesterday, speaking of that, uh, Greg Clark was actually downstairs in the hotel lobby was, yeah. after the news conference there he was holding forth talking to the media because he's actually like literally going to 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 try and uh, get support by going downstairs from the actual news conference to say you know i'm here if you don't like what's actually happening this is the party to go to so this summer um we're hearing all kinds of speculation well, what's, what's actually going to happen on this idea of uniting the middle and you mentioned mandel uh his name's being raised again and again yep even though he is Relatively older. Ages. Um, <laughs> older even than Graham. <laughs> what? <laughs> and me. of ages. Is such a thing? <laughs> um, people think, okay, he's, he's, a, he's seen as a moderate. He's popular. People know him. Um, but How old is he? Is that really important? Yeah, no, I'm curious <laughs> yes, now. Is. I've never met he's the guy. He's in his 70s, isn't he? I think he must be. And that is like... Paula? Early, yeah, early 70s. Yeah. So the idea no, I'm math. just curious. I've never met the guy. We'd be using him as the elder statesman to have a, build a, a younger team around him. Oh. And this was the, the talk. And the talk was also... Like last year, we had the Alberta Party um, as a target of a hostile takeover um, from people who are supporting Jason Kennedy. The Alberta can't wait people were looking at taking over the party by basically filling the annual general meeting of the Alberta Party, flooding it with people, with a busload of people who would do it. And oh, you'd, yeah. you'd, you'd take it over and you'd 
become this this vehicle for a Jason Kenney um, Unite the Right movement. Well, that was there was a special meeting then by Greg Clark and the Alberta uh, Party people to try and stop that by changing the constitution at an emergency meeting. That was last year, right? That was last year. Mm. This year, the speculation is that there'd be groups like people around Mandel putting pressure on Greg Clark to step down to then have a leadership race for the Alberta Party to make it a real uh, beacon for the moderates who are leaving the PCs to find a home under someone they actually know. This is speculation. I asked Greg Clark about it. He said he heard nothing about that, and he's staying on as leader. He works so hard. I mean, he is he is the Rodney Dangerfield of the Alberta legislature. I mean, because he has been, I mean, for a party of one, you know, Greg Clark, party of one, uh, he's been an immensely effective MLA. And I've really been impressed, particularly when Emma and I have been at the child welfare uh, review panel, um, you know, how prepared he is, how smart his questions are. And I I was chatting with him at, at one of these review panel meetings last week, and he was saying, oh, yes, we're getting lots of, you know, people, grassroots progressive conservatives who are coming to join us, not the, you know, not the big names, but the constituency people who know how to raise the funds. He said to me, these are the people who are, you know, who are the, the put out the chairs and put the chairs away. Uh, and those are the people that we need, the people who have the grassroots connection. But I didn't get the feeling from him that he was feeling particularly thrilled or chuffed with the idea that having built up the party, he should step aside to let somebody with a higher public profile take the leadership. Well, that's understandable. But at the same time, there's a sense that he hasn't really grown the party. He's a nice guy, you know, and he does make some really good debates in the House, but there's a sense the party has not grown under him. Needs somebody else to come in to, in a sense, take it over as leader and then it becomes a magnet for the progressives. At least that's one of the, the theories about politics right now in Alberta moving forward over the summer. It's going to be a really busy summer. Yeah. Uh, Summer's I, not supposed to be busy in Canada. <laughs> Summer's yeah. supposed to be when you go camping. Leave vacation you just plan. chill by the <laughs> Yeah, you chill by the lake, you know. I, so I, your vacation, you're leaving. Yeah, I know. I'm still on vacation, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, so this was a question that really was on my mind a lot when – you know, from since the fall, where are these progressives going to go? But now I think this is probably the least important question because you in Edmonton have a stronghold of NDP. I would be very surprised if they lose any seats in Edmonton, like any major seats anyways. Um, there are some sort of wishy-washy rural ridings that, you know, you could maybe put up as in play. And then there's some urban Calgary ones that are maybe in play. But the that that side of the progressive conservative party is the Edmonton side of the PC party. And there are people like Stephen Mandel who, you know, he's not an NDP guy. Like Thomas Lukasik is not an NDP guy and they kind of don't have a home right now, but that is just a fact of politics sometimes where there is no party that you fit with perfectly. And just because you happen to used to be in government or you happen to used to be a major player in a party doesn't mean that you deserve some party that fits your ideological template. And the NDP has been moving into that space anyway. So they've moved so effectively into that space, especially in Edmonton, that it's just not going to happen. And whether you say the Liberals are going to do it or the Alberta Party is going to do it, no one is going to do it to an extent that it matters electorally. Yeah, because I think you're right. I think the, you know, the garden variety, small p progressive voter in Edmonton, why, you know, if if you have your choice between voting for a party that's nascent and has no no, uh, ground game versus voting for the government in power, 
you would vote for the government in power. And, and Stuart's right. I mean, this week in particular, uh, Rachel Notley was out there again uh, as the defender of pipelines, as the mm-hmm. defender of Trans Mountain, you know, saying that BC can't hold Alberta hostage. I mean, I mean talking in ways that would not have seemed, uh, I mean, she's considerably better spoken than Ralph Klein. Um, <laughs> she's considerably more articulate than Ed Stelmack. But the more central... strategic. And more strategic, you know, and... and, and you know, less alienating than Alison Redford, but is the rhetoric? I mean, if you actually saw the words on the page without yeah. without the without yeah. the, the voice and the happy smile, would you recognize those words as as uniquely New Democrat? I don't think so. She's got to tell too. Like, and when she said about yeah, the NEB wanting to move the headquarters yeah. out east, <laughs> that is dumb. Yeah. And she repeated that twice. I was that, like, whoa! That's, all right. that's her big tell. Like that was my question, and I threw it out there as just like. Uh, I wonder what the premier thinks about this. Sometimes you know when they're going to like wind up and hit one out of the park. But as I was saying the question, she started laughing a lot. And she does that. Like, I can't remember what the last one it was. Oh, no, you know what? It was the Saskatchewan budget (laughs) where as soon as this question started to be asked, she just kind of like smiled and she was giggling. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. It was (laughs) like they just they have this answer teed up and they're just hoping one of us asks it. And so as soon as I started asking the question, I was like, oh, Jesus, like this is the one they wanted. And so that's what it was. It was um, she had a very scripted response that was, you know, designed to be on the news. And I sometimes you forget about this, but I spoke to a radio show in Toronto that day. And, you know, I'm used to Rachel Notley sticking up with pipelines by now. And it is like uh, some journalists in Alberta still are like, could you believe the NDP? And sure, it is still weird. And we have to remember that sometimes, but this is just who they are now. And, but I was talking to a radio show in Toronto and they were like, what is going on over there? Like, (laughs) that's really odd. Like your premier is picking a fight with the NDP in BC and she's sticking up for pipelines and they're sticking up for oil. It's very odd. And I was like, yeah, it is odd. It it, it is a strange thing. When you look at it from Toronto, it's Alberta, but you know, but, but this is an absolute gimme. I mean, the argument from the national energy board and they, they came uh, and met with the journal editorial board a couple of weeks ago and said, oh yes, it doesn't make any sense for the NEB to be headquartered in Calgary when they could be, you know, in Ottawa or Toronto. Well, sensible, logical place for it. Honestly. And we all sat there in the editorial boardroom and went, Oh yeah, that's going to play yeah. super well. You when have you no idea what you're doing. Yeah. So, <laughs> where where are they? Where did they come here from? From Toronto or from, from, yeah, like, yeah, from like I think one is from Montreal and one is from yeah. And so. I bet they've never lived anywhere but like the middle of Canada. The Laurentian yeah. elites. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, but this is this is a gift for Rachel Notley to get up on her white horse and and what Albertan is not going to rally behind her when she says you know we demand that the National Energy Board be headquartered in Calgary. Hey. Toronto, uh, Toronto. I just called you Toronto. <laughs> Sorry, Stuart. Yeah, not My quite. My heart felt. Apologies. Um, I did want to ask you uh, yesterday when this unity press conference was going on. Of course, we were all in the lockup. Mm. You were actually at the ledge. Now you, you were I have alone. Some funny now, stories. Yeah, it was me. What was it like down there? Me and Angela Young from CTV okay. and Kendra Slagowski, who were there for different stories. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just standing there alone. Um, but. Yeah, it was really interesting. And the only person I really spoke to was Derek Fildebrandt, who uh, I just said, hey, are you going to run for leader? And he said, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm still thinking about it. The important thing now is to sell this to the members, which he's right about that, actually. Like, they do need to sell this pretty hard. Um, And, you know, we we were talking about this. Like, if Derek Fildebrandt has been, he's been on Kenny's side from the beginning for Unity and sort of, you know, pals with Kenny. And we were wondering... 
you know, you throw Derek Fildebrandt into this race, does he leech away support from Brian Jean? And is this going to split the vote? But then, you know, we found out it's a preferential ballot. So that means that generally, you know, those ranks are going to, you know, the Fildebrandt second supporters are probably going to go to Jean anyways. So um, it's interesting. Maybe he just wants to get some profile, as you sometimes do in these races. And Derek Fildebrandt wanting to get profile and media <laughs> attention? Stuart, what a thing yeah. to suggest. <laughs> yeah, well, yesterday he was like, <laughs> There's literally nobody else around, just me. And he's like, you got three questions. <laughs> I was like, all right. <laughs> so I don't understand the lockup. I mean, lockups are for things like the yeah. budget or a, a, a royalty review I where the results could have an impact on stock markets. And so you lock people down so that the, the information doesn't leak out in a way that could give people an insider trading edge. This is all theater, though. I mean, yeah. That's what, all it was. What, it was a, an a, a, a lockup so that... So that the leader of the third party who doesn't have a seat in the legislature and the leader of the second party can announce that they have an agreement in principle that has to be ratified. I mean, they what? leaked it all to Rick Bell anyway. I mean, so the lockup. I mean, I just thought it was so pretentious and so like, it was like it was basically important. It was yeah. Well, it, I mean, it, it was. That term. It, it, you're right, but it's, it's political theater. You know, we're there. Then that it way, it was a tech briefing, I suppose. Yeah, briefing. It was in a room. We were actually in that room. We had to. We couldn't leave the room, as far as I knew. We can't tweet anything. So this is just a way of building suspense. So that way, we're not so, actually starting so, to leak stuff. So what stuff. are they? What are they going to do? I mean, when the when the if you leak the oh, bu- if you leak the budget, then the government gets right righteous and bans you from future lockup. I, What's Jason Kenny going to do if you start tweeting from his imaginary technical briefing? Can I just say, uh, in protest, I did draw a little frowny face after my signature on the embargo form, <laughs> just for the on the record. Uh, can I just say one more thing yes, from my experience from at yesterday. yesterday? This is like I was standing there and nobody was coming in. Don McIntyre walked by and I said, Mr. McIntyre. And he gave me like a friendly wave and then walked away from me <laughs> because we can't actually go over to where they are. So he, you know, he, he took advantage he, of that. He, uh, he, went. he used it to his advantage. Um, the only other person that came through, some government ministers came through. Hoffman wasn't there who I was hoping for. The premier had spoke already um, at like one thirty-five, which is uh, five minutes late. Brian Mason came out of the elevator looking tremendously flustered. Like his hair was all must and everything. <laughs> and, uh, I think it was Kendra from Global tried to stop me. He said, no, no, no. And I said, Brian, wouldn't you love to weigh in on this uh, unity thing? And he was like, no, 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 no. I'm very late. I'm very late. And he just kind of like settled <laughs> off. It was, it was almost like Alice in Wonderland. It was really weird. And it, it's, I'm never going to be able to see Brian Mason without seeing rabbit ears. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like I was really feeling frustrated that nobody had really like I was there for basically no reason at that point. And then that just made my day. It was great. Didn't Nixon do a, a member statement about unity? Yeah, he did. Yeah. a. Pre- it, it's um, you know, it's if you go online to Hansard and read it, it's pretty funny. Um, it's about how, you know, our long national nightmare is over and the, the NDP <laughs> is going to go. And, you know, he his children and his grandchildren won't have to live under an NDP regime any longer. It was like it's you know, this is what they're going to be saying. And you could see them testing out stuff for, oh, yeah. you know, they're going to sell this and then they're going to have a leadership race and then they're going to sell it again uh, electorally. Yeah, well, Jason Kenney's or um, has many times called it a catastrophic NDP government, yeah. and Gene was using you know hyperbolic terms like that as well for yeah. sure. Yeah. And we should say, I don't know if we've mentioned this, but uh, leadership race is October, right? Or October twenty eighth. Yeah, the vote is on October twenty eighth, as long as of course members ratify this agreement. And then obviously. policy convention is afterwards. Yeah. Afterwards, that's right. That'll be that, that's, next that's year. an issue in terms of the timing. The yeah. Wild Rose said have leadership first, founding convention after, because Kenny kept saying. 
founding convention first and then leadership race. Sentence first, verdict afterwards. (laughs) So what would happen, the Wilders discussion groups were saying, if you have a founding convention first with no leader in the room, the, the adult, there'll be blood on the walls. But with both sides fighting each other. You need somebody in the room as a leader people can look up to who will be the referee, basically, yeah. and maintain decorum. Yeah. So then that convinced the PCs to agree to the Wild Rose, which is one reason why the Wild Rose went in there really, really well organized. And the PCs weren't organized, according to people I've talked to. And they said that's one reason why it irritated the PCs, because the Wild Rose always had an answer, always had something up front to give, and the PCs had a hard time responding to it. Uh, like this, I think this is worth mentioning, too, is we've talked about Arthur Hamilton, the, the lawyer, the, the Conservative Party of Canada lawyer who was on the negotiating team, but also um, the Wild Rose Director of Communications, Vitor Marciano. He was involved in the federal merger, and he was involved in the founding policy convention. And he was telling me, if you think that elbows get up at the yearly conventions that we have imagine a founding convention where you're setting all of the parameters for the future party there's so much at stake and that i think is a a good lesson i mean kenny was part of all this too but you know having guys who were actually doing the work behind the scenes can tell you what to anticipate so meanwhile if you're the new democrats I mean, I, I know that the, the Wild Rose and the Conservatives would like to present this as the New Democrats shaking in their boots. But mm-hmm. for the next little while, the two opposition parties are going to be so focused on, you know, exploring yeah. their own navels. I mean, there's not going to be... Or attacking each other. Or attacking each other. I mean, I think, you know, for the next 12 months, it's almost like the NDP get a free ride in the legislature and everywhere else. Because, you know, who is holding them accountable when everybody else... I mean, it's, it's like distracted driving. You can't drive the car and text at the same time. <laughs> it's pretty hard to be the opposition uh, functionally day-to-day if you're embroiled in this kind of internecine uh, uh, exercise. It's interesting well, watching the... Sorry, the, the NDP, their reaction to this. You got, on the one hand, you get the, the NDP saying, we don't care about the, the right wing. They can do what they want, as Notley says. But yesterday, she began attacking them again as being too too far to the right. Yep. That, you know, the NDP are uh, making life better for all Albertans, <laughs> and the PCs and the Wild Rose are too far to the right, and they're socially conservative, yada, yada, yada. Well, within minutes of that deal being signed yesterday, out goes the uh, fundraising letters from Sarah Hoffman and others in the government asking people for $50 because they're trying to, they will destroy Alberta. We're making inroads under the NDP government, so it's time now to start um, fighting back. And this is, so they're using this as a fundraising tool. Of course, that's what politicians do, obviously. Uh, but it's interesting to see how they're actually going to be starting to fight each other over this. Uh, the, another issue I'm going to talk about quickly, and it won't get into the weeds on this, an issue that might irritate the Wild Rose members, the true believers, is this is not being done under the legal framework of the Wild Rose. Now, Brian Jean says oh, it yeah. is. I asked Mike, he said, no, it's been this is the legal framework. The PC said, absolutely, no, it's not. <laughs> it's a matter of semantics now, what you mean by the legal framework. What we took it to mean was because you can't transfer money back and forth between parties, legal framework meant the Wild Rose stays as is under Kenny's, sorry, under Brian Jean's plan. It stays as is. You can change the name. PCs joined, but all the money, the assets in that Wild Rose um, framework stays there and can be used next election. Under this system, they can't. That money it will be under a, uh, it's really detailed here, under the Alberta Societies Act. You get three different societies. They can't use the money for elections. They can try and spend it to try and promote themselves, but it's very limited. But now Gina's saying, it's still our legal framework. The PC say, no, it is not. 
we're all equal now. It's not the Wild Rose directing this. Yeah, that money is... So there'll be the new United Party as big umbrella, and that's one society. And then the under UCP. that umbrella... <laughs> the UCP. UCP. Um, UCP. <laughs> and under that umbrella. And then there is the other two legal entities. So they have to yeah, individually spend their money. Never shall those accounts meet. Those two accounts cannot legally meet under Alberta elections law. But what they can do is yeah, spend the money to say things like, the carbon tax is terrible. Let us tell you how. An ad sponsored by Wild Rose. The carbon tax is terrible. Let us tell you how. An ad sponsored by the Progressive Conservative Party of Alberta. There's more money in the Wild Rose. Yeah, I know. The- <laughs> They're just trying to pay off the $600,000 debt, That's right? right? The PCs are going to go to each individual constituency association and ask them to hand over any funds they have to the central party and so that have, the central party can pay off that but $600,000 Do they have the debt. authority legally to do that? If they I'm, can, if yeah. I'm, yeah, So if I'm a constituency association and my constituency board does not favor the they merger... Can't, they can't force you to do it. Um, but they can, uh, they can, of course, they can ask you to do it. And they can this donate, leads back, right? yeah, this leads back to what um, Thomas Lukasik's constituency association. He actually, the weekend of or just before the um, PC leadership vote, he got his constituency association the money that he had from left over from his campaigns, gave it to the constituency association. With the proviso, proviso that that money then get donated to local charities in his writing, so that it emptied out accounts, so that they were no longer had cash that could possibly at all ever go back towards paying down the PC debt. Right, that was an interesting little thing that yeah. happened during the PC leadership that's, vote. That's amusing, yeah. isn't it? And th- I think that it is a great point because part of this was. You know, the Wild Rose has something like $1.2 million, and the PCs are in the hole, yeah. like nearly seven hundred grand. Yeah. And that means Wild Rose money is not going to be used to pay that off. Because yep. you can imagine how galling that would have been. Yeah, and, and they also have made it, they don't want any of that money to go back to the Crown, because that's basically money going to the NDP, God forbid. All right, so I think we've spoken about this long enough. There's still so much more to chat, but we can take this up at uh, later editions, I suppose. Uh, Alberta can wait. <laughs> they will have to. <laughs> For more press gallery. Um, let's go to good stuff from the gallery. Stuart, what do you got here? Uh, I have a piece from The Atlantic called McMaster's Dilemma. And this is an uh, interesting piece about this really tough dilemma. Like, H.R. McMaster is the uh, national security advisor to Donald Trump. Pretty well-respected dude. Uh, if you are really interested in him or what he did, you could read Tom Ricks's book, The Gamble, which is about the Iraq War and the counterinsurgency strategy he was part of with Petraeus. Uh, he's really a smart dude and a real professional, and it's kind of sad to watch him get raked over the coals here, especially with all these leaks that Trump is doing that he's having to explain. So it... Uh, kind of p- portrays that dilemma of duty versus just the utter humiliation you have to suffer defending Donald Trump. Paula, what do you have? There was so much amazing Trump coverage this week from the Washington Post, <laughs> yeah. the New York Times, McClatchy, the Atlantic. But I am going to recommend something that will give you a Trump a Trump recess, which is a piece <laughs> by our colleague Tristan Hopper for National <laughs> Post about uh, sort of instead of when Harry met Sally, it's when it's when William Lyon Mackenzie King met Hitler. And it's all about um, how, I mean, we all know how nuts William Lyon Mackenzie King was, but this really brings it home. Uh, his fervent belief that he and Hitler could be super bestie best friends and together usher in a golden new age for humanity. Uh, and it's it's equal parts terrifying and funny, as is Tristan. So, yeah. uh, <laughs> um, actually, Tristan and I were driving to 
CTV studio last Friday for a primetime panel. And he was telling me about this piece. He was telling me about the diaries he'd been reading and doing the most fantastic impression of this guy. <laughs> I see lions. I see lions in the sky. <laughs> it was amazing. So I was reading that piece, remembering <laughs> Tristan telling me. It's a really good read. You're right, Paula. Um, I'm actually going to recommend, Stuart, you mentioned this earlier, but Jason Markazov's piece about now the fight to lead Alberta's United Right Begins. Because Jason's funny. <laughs> And Jason is great. Uh, and, he's, and he's getting magazine. married this weekend. He's getting married oh, yeah. this Mazel weekend. Tov. Congratulations. Yay. You better still listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> You're not too busy, are you, Jason? The probably, play probably... is our opening song for the first dance. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, oh. Aaron. <laughs> and Graham, finally, what do you have for yeah, us? Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, back to Trump. So bring us back down again. <laughs> the Atlantic. How does this end? Four alternatives Badly. for the scandal <laughs> plague presidency of Donald Trump. Explains how we'll continue, we'll get impeached, whatever. I'm hoping for an alien invasion. <laughs> and I don't mean the Mexicans. Um, but that's not one of the, the four. Um, it's interesting just looking at the uh, different ways this can actually play out. So I'm sorry, but I, I am, like all of us, fascinated by the whole Trump thing. Yeah. It's like, it is like it's watching an accident and you can't look away. I mean, it's so extraordinary. I, I did read a piece this morning about how as, as Trump is off to uh, Saudi Arabia, they had oh to God, arrange because he won't eat Arab food. They have to have a well-done steak and ketchup for him at sort of every place that he goes because he might not want to eat the couscous. Oh, my God. That guy, like falafel is fantastic. <laughs> just give it a just... whirl, Donald. Um, all right, so... That's this episode of the Press Gallery. Thank you so much for joining me, Stuart, Paula, Graham, and Greg here to film some of this as Graham ruins things. Film Sorry. some of this and put it. Sorry, Greg. We mentioned on. you. Greg is great. He's <laughs> the guy in the background. Just stealing Greg's thunder, honestly, Graham. Anyway, you can find all the previous episodes of the Press Gallery at theedmontonjournal.com. You can also subscribe to our SoundCloud channel, TuneIn Radio, and iTunes as well. Hope you join us at this time next week at the Press Gallery.